Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Megan Meredith, and I am a new addition to the youth team here at First Free. Uh, and this year, starting kicked off in January, we have started a really awesome new program here called Unscripted. And our goal with this program is to build a community with the youth at this church, as well as youth outside of this church, to examine scripture through the arts. And so, Pastor Matt has been gracious enough to allow us to come present the scripture this morning. So, please enjoy Luke 16. Jesus also said to the disciples, A certain rich man heard that his household manager was wasting his estate. He called the manager in and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give me a report of your administration because you can no longer serve as my manager. The household manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master has fired me as his manager? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too proud to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I'm removed from my management position, people will welcome me into their homes. One by one, the manager sent for each person who owed his master money. He said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, 900 gallons of olive oil. The manager said to him, Take your contract, sit down quickly, and write 450 gallons. Then the manager said to another, How much do you owe? He said, 1,000 bushels of wheat. He said, Take your contract and write 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted cleverly. People who belong to this world are more clever in dealing with their peers than are people who belong to the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to make friends for yourselves, so, when that it is, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcome into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful with little is also faithful with much, and the one who is dishonest with little is also dishonest with much. If you haven't been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you haven't been faithful with someone else's property, who will give you your own? No household servant can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and have contempt for the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. <laughs> you cannot serve God and wealth. Thanks, guys. That was, that was great. They do a better job than me reading it, so that's good. And I love the action. The action shots are good. So good morning. Good to see you here on this winter break week for some people, but not for us if we're here. So we're talking today, uh, we've been in a series called Blueprints, and if you haven't been with us before, it's a series we're talking about this idea that God put a blueprint in each of us called the image of God, that each of us have been created with the image of God. And yet at the same time, you know, we live in this Western culture that teaches us that we make ourselves that we create ourselves. Take, for example, this sculpture. It's called, the, the title of this sculpture by Bobby Carlisle is called Self-Made Man. It's a sculpture of a man carving himself, his own image, out of the stone. It's interesting that several towns across the United States have picked up this sculpture and made replicas of it in their town parks and in their town areas and green areas in their parks. And they brought this statue into the their, their fabric of their community. 
Uh, Bobby Carlisle, she's an artist, she's a sculptor. She also created another version, and I'm sorry I don't have a picture of it, but um, it's called Self-Made Woman. And so it's a woman who's creating herself. And it's the same idea. And that's a, that's a very Western thought, right? It's a very big thing in our culture to say, you know, they're a self-made person. There's a self-made woman. There's a self-made man, meaning that they pulled themselves up by them boot, their bootstraps and they made it and they did it and they were successful. You know, they sing an old Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way. And they sing this kind of tune that, you know, I did it, right? And I think about that idea, right? That we make ourselves, that we sculpt ourselves, right? And then I think about this other image called a turtle on a fence post. (laughs) When you see a turtle on a fence post, you know something immediately. What is it that you know immediately when you see a turtle on a fence post? Someone else put the turtle there, right, exactly. So when you see a turtle on a fence post, you go, they didn't get there on their own, right? I want to ask you a question. Are you where you're at today because you did it or because someone else helped you get there? Are there people that have gone before you that may have helped you to be where you are today? That maybe it's not all about you and me, right? Maybe somebody else had something to do with it. I would say, first of all, God created you and put you on the planet in the place that you are on the planet, if you think about it, right? You were born into a family and into a place and that, that God created you, right? So you didn't get there simply on your own. And in fact, the very first couple years of your life, you were totally a turtle on a fence post, right? Somebody changed your diapers, somebody fed you, somebody clothed you, someone took care of you, someone made sure you got enough sleep. Or, so people, somebody did something for you. We celebrate some of those people coming up, Mother's Day, Father's Day, or someone else in your life that nurtured you, that cared for you, when you were totally helpless. So you are a turtle on a fence post. I'm a turtle on a fence post. And think about the other people along the year, along the way that may have encouraged you or mentored you or, or said something or given you an opportunity or maybe even given you some things to help you get where you are today. I would say we're all turtles on fence posts. We're not self-made. As much as the culture, as much as we want to believe that, I think we would miss this idea of gratitude, right? We'd miss the idea of what really we're going to talk about today is this word called stewardship. You see, we're either masters or we're stewards. That's what we heard in the parable. There was a master and there was a steward. So as you come in today, as you are sitting here today, are you seeing yourself as a master or as a steward? Let me explain what a steward is. Steward is this. Stewardship is this. The idea that we have a larger purpose than satisfying our own needs. I think this is a pretty simple way of just looking at stewardship and saying what it means to be a steward is to say, you know, I serve a bigger purpose. I've got something else. My life's about more than just me. And so I'm not a master of my life. I'm a steward of the life that God has given me. I'm a steward of the resources that I've been blessed with and been given. And how am I managing those things? That's what the parable is about. It's about the steward that manages the resources of the master of someone else that has been given to them. They didn't get that wealth on their own. They didn't get those resources on their own, but they are managing the wealth for someone else. That's the steward. So let's go, just, let's go back a little bit. We're in, 
talking about the image of God in this. So I want us to go back again. We looked at this before a few weeks ago. Genesis chapter 1, when we're created in the image of God, according to Genesis, it says this. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on the earth. So I want you to get this idea that the reason that you and I are created in the image of God is to care for all the earth, right? And, I, and we get kind of tripped up there on that word charge, you know, take charge, right? Because then we put ourselves, what seat are we putting ourselves in when we think about that? Master, right? But I think actually what it's saying is we're responsible for what happens on the planet. We're, we're to care for the creation around us. And that the reason that God gave us this image of God in us is to actually do that, to reflect the image of God to all of creation, to other people, to the way we interact with the world around us, with people, with creation. And so this idea is that we are stewards, not masters. We're responsible for what someone else has given us. God has given us this place. And are we managing it well? So that's part of the question of stewardship, right? So this applies. And so we're going to be looking particularly at stewardship of wealth as well today. But before we do that, I kind of wanted to, I think there's a connection here between wealth, finances, and stewardship of all the planet. So here's the connection. Today, there are approximately 2 billion people out of over 7 billion people on the planet. And that's probably you and me. We're in the 2 billion. Something called the consumer class. Not the middle class, not the upper class, not the lower class, but there's this class called the consumer class. Did you know that you're a part of a consumer class? Let me describe it to you. Here it is from National Geographic. The group of people characterized by diets of highly processed food, desire for bigger houses, more and bigger cars, higher levels of debt, and lifestyles devoted to the accumulation of non-essential goods. Does anybody fall into that class? I do. I fall into it. Anybody else fall into it? Yeah, we fall into that, right? We're a part of the two billion people on the planet consuming more than the other five billion, basically. And that has an impact. That has an impact on our world. That has an impact on other countries. That has an impact on our country. And all these things are happening. And there's a lot of economics involved in this, not as well as politics, right? Now, if you look at climate change today, they estimate that over 60% of climate change today in our world that we see happening in our world today is a result of consumerism. 60% is a result of household consumerism. So, you know, because you and I, we look at this and we go, hey, I'm not the problem, right? How many people have said that? Anybody, right? I'm just trying to figure out which goes in the compost and which goes in the recycling and which goes in the garden. You know, I sit there every time I go out, you know, I'm like, which bin? I don't know. The fork is it composed, you know, so that's my done. So what we think is, we, we boil our whole planet down to that decision, right? And we think about that and we go, well, you know, I'm just one person. What difference can I make, right? Well, here's the thing. Yeah, and I, I get that. I get that. I understand that. The problem is two billion of us doing the same thing together. That's the problem. Or not doing it together. 
Two billion people recycling is going to make a difference. Two billion people not recycling is, not going, to, is going to make it worse, right? See how that works? So collectively, we're actually part of the problem. Our consumerism is part of the problem that's going on. And the, the question of stewardship is one for us. And so we look at these questions of stewardship, and if you look at this, you notice that I'm going to ask some questions about stewardship, and I will tell you the answer already. You want to know what the answer to every question is? Yes, that's the answer to every question, right? So you know that, right, going into this? Just making sure you're still with me. So here's the first question. Does how I handle my finances matter to God? Does how I handle my finances matter to God? And the answer is? All right, there you go. Why is it yes? Well, Jesus actually says it. And you heard it as they were, uh, when they were telling us the scripture, they were showing us the scripture. He says, you know, if you've been given, if you can't manage worldly wealth, how can you be entrusted with heavenly wealth? Like, if you can't manage the world that I gave you, if you can't manage the resources that I put into your hands already that you're responsible for, how are you going to be trusted with the wealth of heaven? That's the question Jesus raises in the parable. That's the question that Jesus raises in teaching this parable to us. He's like, if you haven't been faithful with the worldly stuff, how are you going to be faithful with heavenly stuff, right? Notice that, the, what is this steward accused of? The accusation of the steward, right? When the master comes to the steward, the steward is accused of what? I'm looking over here at our unscripted folks that are disappeared, but anyway. What was it, right? What did, anybody here know? Remember, what was the accusation? What's that? Mismanagement in what way? What was the mismanagement about? That's, you're right. It was mismanagement of resources. But what in particular? What was the accusation? Does anybody need to pull out their Bible right now? If you do, there's one in the pew. It's on your phone, probably CEB version I'm looking at. What it says, and you don't really have to pull it out. I'm sorry. You can if you want. But here's the point. Wasteful. He was accused of being Wasteful. Wasteful of his Matthew, master's resources. He was wasting it. And the implication is, is that he was wasting the resources on himself. You got that? Wasting resources on himself. That's the accusation, right? That's what Jesus is raising here. Is this idea that do, uh, of doing that, right? So... Let me ask you another question. This is, the answer is not yes, but I'm trying to bring you guys into the discussion here. What is the number one waste producer in the world, country? What country of, all the, of the whole planet do you think wastes the most? What? Who said United States? You are correct. North America, or the United States in particular, we produce, each of us, on average, produce between 4.4 and 7.1 pounds of solid waste per person per day. Did you get that? 4.4 to 7.1 pounds of solid waste per person per day in the United States. So in about a month, if you weigh 150 pounds, you've just produced yourself in waste. Think about it. So we're adding that. We're actually taking it from parts of the planet and putting it in another part of the planet, and we're doing this 
on a daily basis. So what is Jesus saying to us about managing our resources, right? Huge question, huge question. Here's another question. What does God want me to do with my finances? This is actually not yes, but here it is. He says it. He says in the parable, he, he, he draws this point out of the parable. So whenever you read a parable, you want to read it and go, hey, what's the big idea here? Here's the big idea that Jesus is trying to teach. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to make friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal homes. See, part of the parable dilemma for us is, well, he seems kind of dishonest in doing this, right? But the point that Jesus is drawing out of is not about dishonesty, but he's saying this guy, this steward goes from wasting resources on himself to now giving resources away to others. He's shifting from wastefulness to generosity. That's the point of the parable. And Jesus is highlighting that and saying, I tell you, use worldly wealth to make friends for yourselves. Make friends for yourselves. Reach out to people. (laughs) Make a difference. Bless somebody else with the resources you've been given, not just yourself, right? That's what he's saying. And so we have to think about that, right? You know, the Samaritan, we have classes here that meet Sunday morning. And one of our classes uh, is called, it's called the Samaritan's class. And if you know, there's another parable in the Bible called the Good Samaritan who helps the, the person in need. And so the, we, a couple from that class, Don, their names are Don and Becky, they went to Africa. They went to Hope University of Africa, and they were teaching, lecturing at Hope, Hope Africa University. And they were teaching there, and Becky said she was lecturing, and she noticed that the students were coming, and they were like kind of lethargic, and they weren't able to stay awake in class. And I said, well, Becky, you know, you know maybe it's you, you know. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. Um, but she said, you know, what's, she started to question, like, why are these, why are they coming so lethargic? So she started to talk and ask the students some questions, like, how are you guys, are you guys doing all right? And she began to learn that the students were coming to class having not eaten breakfast, not eaten lunch, not eaten any meal that day. But they were so desperate for education that they were going to put their own food on hold so they could get to class. SPU students, you you here with me today? They didn't even have a cup of coffee to get to class, right? So Don and Becky said, we got to figure out something right here. There's a problem with resources. And so they came back and they shared this with the the class. And the class said, we're going to take care of it. And so that class gave financially to Hope African University to make sure that 200 students got three meals a week for an entire academic year. Because they saw a need and they said, they said, let's do something about it. And they did it. And those students now are coming to class fed. And guess what happens to their learning capacity when students are fed? We know this already, right? Goes up increases. They become better learners. So this has ramifications. So this was about movement of resources from one place to another place. From 2 billion consumers to the other 5 billion non-consumers in the world. Think about that. Let me ask this question. 
If I were to walk onto the campus of Hope Africa University today and talk to one of those students, and I told them I was from First Church in Seattle, do you think they would view me as a friend or an enemy? A friend, right? It's obvious. They would say, those people, they're our friends. They fed us. What did Jesus say to do with our finances? I tell you, use worldly wealth to make friends, right? To take our consumerism and stop consuming in a way that enables me to make friends with other people, right? Last question. What's the answer to this question? Yes. Does being a better steward help me become a generous person? Yes, <laughs> it does. You see, when I'm a better steward, when I'm a better manager of the resources that God has given me, I'm actually able to be generous. When I stop consuming and start giving away, I actually become more generous. It it's actually goes together. These two things go together. My ability to be generous is directly tied to my ability to be a steward. My skill as a manager of what God has given me enables me to be generous and to bless other people and care for other people in the world, right? You know, here's, here's, a, here's where it really hits home. We had some friends who lived uh, just outside Washington, D.C. He had a high-paying uh, lobbyist job working in Congress, and he was living in Northern Virginia in an upper-middle-class home. Uh, Northern Virginia, if you've never been to the East Coast, is like a wealthy, upper-middle-class neighborhood, uh, kind of where old-world money meets new-world money, and there's a lot of politics and lobbyist groups and everything. And this particular person worked for a big lobby group and made lots of money. And, um, and then, but, but they were also going to church, and they were Christians, and they were learning this idea about being stewards. And so one day they decided, you know, we're going to try this out. You know, this pastor guy keeps telling us to give 10% away of our, of our gross income. That's before tax. That means before I pay my taxes. So this crazy pastor guy says, give 10% of your money away. Craziness. I know. And so they decided, we're going to try it. We're going to do this. So they started to do, if you can imagine a triple-figure salary... And they decided to start giving it 10% of their triple-figure salary away. Over triple, well, not quite, not that big, but you get, you get the point. So I started giving it away, and, I, and we asked them, so how's it going? Like, how's it going now that you have 10% less of your gross income? Like, are you making it? Are you, oh yeah, we're good. And, and the wife said, you know, there's something strange happened. Like, our washing machine lasts longer now. You know, our, our dishwasher lasts longer than the warranty period. Did you know that? You know that we can drive our cars for more than five years? We're doing that now. Yeah, we, we know that. <laughs> but what was cool was what they were realizing is that, see, the world puts this pressure on us to consume, Right? to buy new things, to get new stuff, to get new clothes, to get new cars, to get new washers, to get new dryers. And they realized that when they started giving money away to other people, that then they weren't spending the money on consuming. 
those things because they were taking their resources and redirecting them to the needs of the world. And when they did that, what were they also doing? Helping the whole world by not consuming as much. So there's a double blessing here is what I'm saying. Not only are we blessing the people in need around us, maybe right here in our own city, not just somewhere off in the world, but maybe we're also blessing the whole world by consuming less. See, you and I were created to bear the image of God. And if you don't know this, God is the most generous God I've ever met. If we were to rewind to chapter 15 of Luke, we'd see a parable about a father and a son. The son, what does the son do? He squanders all his dad's wealth. He wastes it all on parties and women and having fun and new clothes. And then he loses everything. And he finally drags himself back home to hopefully be a servant in his father's house. And what does his dad do? He runs out and hugs him and forgives him puts a ring on his finger, a new robe on his shoulders, and sandals on his feet. If that's not generosity, I don't know what is. If it's not a generous God that we serve, then I don't know what God you're serving. Here's the thing. When you're generous, when I'm generous, guess who we're reflecting to others? A generous God. The image of God. That's the image of God in you and me. Let's pray together.
Say that line together as we leave. The kingdom is yours. Let's say that. The kingdom is yours. The kingdom is yours. It's not mine. It's God's. Everything is God's. So go be generous like your God. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.